let's pray together about the, the, uh, the word that we're going to get into tonight. Father, I want to ask that uh, you will superintend this teaching time. I want to pray that you will illumine the message, illumine the word that is taught, that is spoken here in the same way as your Holy Spirit inspired it to the original writers. I pray that we will understand the intent. I pray that we will receive uh, the relevant message to each of our lives and uh, that as we open our hearts and do that, we can expect that you're going to do something. You're going to change us and uh, we're going to be better because of it. Um, this is a very important message that we need to receive because we need to be spiritual people. That's really a huge problem in our world today and it's a huge problem in the church today. People are not spiritual. They think they are, but they're really appealing to their emotions. We're just carnal, we're natural, we're uninspired and we need to be inspired by your spirit. We need to be filled by your spirit. We need to be motivated by your spirit, clothed by your spirit, empowered by your spirit. Um, we can't do this without you. And so uh, I ask you all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm gonna back up to chapter two, verse 10, even though we're really gonna pick up in verse 14, and then we're gonna continue on in chapter three. Um, the message, that I gave to you guys to get you to tune in tonight was about having the mind of Christ. And you're gonna see that that's here in chapter two, but uh, we're likely going to move beyond that, no guarantees. Um, so First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse 10, English Standard Version. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. These things are the secret wisdom of God. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, the word there is psuchikos, the soulish person, the unspiritual person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, moros, right? That's where we get our word moron. There, you're a moron, I don't get that. That's stupid, superstitious, nonsense, whatever. And you've been around these people. They're folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, the spiritual person, this is pneumatikos, psuchikos, that's where you get the word soul, the soulish person, versus pneumatikos. You hear the English word uh, pneumatic in there, right? A pneumatic drill, a pneumatic hammer, means it operates with air power or air pressure, right? So the word for uh, wind and breath and air, and spirit, it's the same word. In Hebrew, there's a word that is used the same way. In Greek, there's this word pneuma, right? It's used the same way. Um, and so what we're seeing is that there is this, we're seeing, we're understanding, I should say, there's this unseen element all around us that is pressing in on us, right? I mean, you might under, not understand the principle behind a pneumatic drill or a pneumatic hammer. But if you've ever had your tires changed and you're anywhere near where they're taking the, the lug nuts off, you hear that That's a pneumatic device. This air is going through there and it's causing that thing to spin. So it's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. Um, there are pneumatic presses. There's so much air in that press that it's able to push down and just crush an unbelievable uh, amount of, of material. The spirit is very powerful, right? Wind is powerful. Uh, I have not personally witnessed a tornado. Uh, the last one that uh, was near us was in 2015. 
destroyed all of those homes uh, in uh, the kind of the, the southeast side of um, Garland and throughout Rowlett. And I remember driving by there and seeing all of that devastation. And um, yeah, a tornado is very powerful. That's pneumatic. It's the spirit, right? I'm not saying a tornado was a spirit. I'm trying to get you to compare the two, right? It was the spirit in the tornado that destroyed. No, 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 no. So, and there was a tornado, I, you know, here recently. Everybody was afraid of one that maybe touched down potentially here locally. Um, or a hurricane, right? Hurricane is like a giant tornado. Not quite as fast, but, you know, huge devastation. Consider that that's the word that the Lord chose to use to represent his spirit. That's what you want. That's what you and I need on our side. We need that Holy Spirit, that power. It's far more powerful than the wind of a tornado or a hurricane. But I wanted you to understand that. Whereas psukikos, psuke is the Greek word for soul right? Um, the human being, the human soul. And that's the, the natural you, the you that is uninspired, unaware of the spirit moving, even though you have a spirit or you wouldn't be uniquely human. But there is a blindness to the spirit, right? Until we're reborn. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is an amazing sentence. But we have the mind of, who is we? Well, he's talking to some pretty soulish people here, right? And we're gonna talk about this in a minute, but they are people who have been reborn and yet they're defaulting back to their old nature, their old natural selves. Yeah, we do that all the time. So I remember uh, back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, when I was very first a believer, um, there was a piece of material uh, for new Christians. Um, in fact, there, there's a workbook back there uh, that is uh, this new Christian booklet, but it talked about, uh, I'm trying to remember the title of it right now, and I can't remember the title of it, but uh, it was a booklet and it talked about the old nature and the new nature. And so a lot of times, if you've ever watched old cartoons, do you like cartoons, Mateo? Yeah? I don't know if you've ever seen really old cartoons or not. Have you ever seen a cartoon with, there, there's like a little angel and a little devil on the person's shoulder and they're trying to get them to do good things or bad things. Have you ever seen one of those cartoons? No, those are really old cartoons, right? So the little angel is like, no, you need to do what's right. Oh, you're right. And the little devil's like, no, no, you need to lie and cheat and steal and be bad, right? <laughs> That's kind of like the new nature and the old nature, right? The old nature is the natural me that's just trying to get by and you know, trying to win, right? That's, it's all about competition. You see it out there on the road. I, I've just, I've come to see that I get in the flesh too often when I'm behind the wheel of my vehicle. <laughs> and a certain pastor of the previous church that you and I attended is as bad or worse than me. So he's got a, he's got a picture in his office that somebody drew, it's one of those cartoon caricatures of his foot going through the, the floorboard of his vehicle as he's driving. And this pastor that I'm referring to is one of the most gentle people in the world. This makes me look like, you know, obnoxious, okay? Just a very, very gentle person. But behind the wheel, what happens to us? You know, it's like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And we're just, you know, and so I can always expect, I'm trying to keep this distance between me and the car in front of me. And somebody is just going to see that as space for them to dive in so that they can get around this car over here. And then they're going to be impatient and be there for a little while. And then they're going to go over here and go. And they're just, they're an accident waiting to happen is what they are. So my temptation in the past is to, you know, want to be the enforcer. Here they come. And I'm like, you're not going to run the gap. And so I just close the gap. 
Well, then that's what starts these road rage incidents. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I never watch these videos because they're just, I don't know why people really get entertained by them, but, um, you know, you see the still of the video and it was like road rage. And here's a person that's like down on the ground like this beside what looked like a minivan. And another guy that's standing up here that looks like a monster, like over the top of them, beating up on them, you know? And so there's this lady over here that's doing this. It's just like, people, seriously, man, everybody just needs to take a giant chill pill and calm down. It's okay. Cause the reality is you're gonna do this and I've done it and you end up getting stopped at the same light, and here's this person that you passed and just about got in a wreck with, and here they come pulling up right next to you at the same light. Yeah. Light turns, and you go zooming up, da, 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 and then the next light, and here they come again. Mm -hmm. So you know what? We all might as well just take a chill pill and just drive down the road, and if they want to go ahead of us, just let them go. Let them go. Go ahead. Get in your wreck. Just don't get into it with me. It's all good. I think that's the way the Holy Spirit would do it anyway. All right. The spiritual person, it says in verse, uh, what is this, 14 or 15? I think it's 14. 15. Let me see. Yeah, this is verse 15. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. So this can be confusing because the word judge is being employed. And we all know that one verse. Everybody knows John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, because we all remember us in King James, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then everybody knows, judge not lest ye be not judged. <laughs> I mean, the most secular people in the world know that one. You know, you say anything to them about doing something wrong, and they're, judge not lest ye be not judged. But that's not the way the word is being used here. In fact, this is a different word. Now, this word can be used in that fault-finding sense. See, that's what we're really looking at. Judging someone else is seeking to prove that they're guilty. So this recent trial, okay? I mean, I hate to bring something as incendiary in as this, but this recent trial where Derek Chavon uh, was... Uh, was tried for the murder of George Floyd. They were seeking to prove that he was guilty. That's judgment. That's the kind of judgment that we're asked not to employ, which by the way, is the reason why I didn't just immediately jump on the bandwagon as soon as that all blew up. Because I saw that in spite of the video that Derek Chavon had been arrested and taken to jail so what's happening there? This isn't the typical situation where the police officer is getting off for doing something. Yeah. The justice system is working. So what do you want me to do? No, you want me to jump on your bandwagon and chant the same things that you're chanting. And then we get on the other side of it and we find out that it's a more complicated situation. Well, it wasn't that with Derek Chavon and I didn't think that it would be, but you know, it has been that case with some of these other very, very notorious uh, situations. The Michael Brown situation. Darren, I think his name was Darren Wilson. I remember his last name was Wilson. And Michael Brown, right? There's another situation where a white police officer shot a black man who was unarmed. But there'd been a big wrestling match before that, right? Where uh, Michael Brown tried to take the gun away from Darren Wilson, right? But, you know, if you were here when Pastor Craig and I had the debate about this, um, I don't think that that was a racist situation at all. I think that was gross unprofessionalism on the part of Darren Wilson. He never called for backup. Even after this guy wrestled him and almost took his gun away, but the guy didn't take his gun away. And then the guy walked away. And instead of calling for backup and de-escalating the situation, he escalated it. And then Michael Brown turned back around, I think that was the guy's name, and charged after him. So initially it was hands up, you know, da da da. And then that narrative was so overplayed and then it was discovered that never even happened. Yeah. So, you know, the point is, 
why do we rush to judgment? Why do we listen to, it's tribalism. You listen to your tribe. This is my group and this is what my group says. And see, this is where I get in trouble all the time and where I'm going to tell you, if you follow Jesus, you're gonna find yourself coming in and out of these tribes all the time. So I think the assumption was that my tribe, as far as mask wearing and vaccinations was, don't, we're free, we'll do whatever. And then I went and got the vaccination. And so now people are like, what did you do, Pastor Daryl? You're not on our, you're not on our side. You're not in our tribe anymore. We're free, right? You know what? I pray. And I thought, you know, there's people like my buddy Jacob right here that I want to feel comfortable and confident about going and getting that vaccination. There are people who are at risk, who are older, whatever. I, I want you to know, it's okay. You know what? I felt like I got a minor punch in the arm the day after, and that's it. That's it. So I wanted to be able to report to you and tell you what. Plus, it was right. Did you punch yourself in the arm? I saw you do it. Punched yourself in the arm. It was. It was like getting punched in the arm. Have you ever gotten punched in the arm? No? That's because everybody's nice to you, Mateo. I've gotten punched in the arm. But now my arm is fine. Hey, I'm doing good. And so I'm not looking forward to the booster shot because it's supposed to be like more intense and whatever. But yeah. But you know, the side benefit to that that I wasn't thinking about is I get to hug you guys again. And you're like, well, you could have done that anyway. No, you don't understand how careful I've been. See, you think that I've just been running around, woohoo, don't wear a mask, do whatever. No, I'm six feet away from people all the time. See, I actually employ science. I actually think through these things. I'm a fairly smart guy. And I have recognized in observing the statements that Dr. Fauci has made that the, do the guy is more of a politician than he is a scientist or a doctor. And now the head of the CDC has demonstrated that she's just as much of a politician as she is. I, I'm not interested. I'm intelligent enough to take in the data and process it and think through it for myself, yeah. right? So, yeah. So what do I do? Everywhere I go, I think through these things, whatever. But yeah, I looked at, I looked at the different vaccines. I, first, I was going to get Johnson & Johnson, but there's more side effects with more people with that, questions, whatever. And then I looked at Moderna and Pfizer are pretty much about the same, um, but I know more people that have felt a little bit sick after getting Moderna. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go with Pfizer. And then Walmart, hey, it's available at Walmart. Walmart. So I just walked up to the pharmacy at Walmart and I was like, okay, here I am, what do I need to do? And the lady was just really officious and difficult to deal with. So it took like 10 minutes for me to hear through the, you know, the plastic screen and through her mask and her not really wanting to. But finally, I just went back there I didn't even feel the needle go in my arm. Like, dude, I didn't feel anything, never felt sick, never had a fever, never had a headache. That was it, huh, okay. And I videoed it. The next time I get the next one, I'm not gonna go through all that, I'll just report if there's any changes or whatever. And then that way, people that wanna get it will say, oh, well, that's how it worked. But then I feel more confident going up next to people and giving them hugs like the old days because then I don't think I'm gonna get something from you. And see, it's already helping me in the gym because I've already told you guys, I've gone to the, the rest, restaurants, I've gone to the gym, I've, we've done church ever since we reopened. I haven't gotten it, okay? But I'm careful. So at the gym, people are <laughs> spray, spray. I, I don't wanna walk through your spray and breathe it in because it is real. People do get sick. Right? And so, you know, I, I circumnavigate the gym. I'm like, eh, nope, going around you, right? Nope, going around you. Nope, not getting on a machine next to you. That Now, I mean, I've only had the first shot. I'm like, dude, I ain't worried. Good to go. So um, I'm making decisions on the basis of data. That's what this word means. The spiritual person discerns determines, makes careful study of a question. That's what this word means. That's what you should be doing all the time. But the spiritual person does this with all things, but is himself or herself to be evaluated, there's another way, by no one else. 
So people, you, you have, if you have biblical opinions, then expect to be judged. Expect to be judged as some sort of an extremist, right? But it doesn't matter what these people think because their thinking is not spiritually oriented. It's not informed by the word of God. They're not filled with, inspired by, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So this isn't, when it says the spiritual person judges all things, this isn't judgment like a judge and jury or judgment the way Jesus expresses when he said, judge not lest you be not judged. The word means to appraise or to discern, or as I quoted earlier, to engage in careful study of a question. That's what you should be doing all the time. So the Holy Spirit is not just giving you feelings about stuff, right? He is leading you. He is impressing things upon you. But you do enter into a process of thought and study like a question, like, hmm, okay, let's work through this type of a situation. Um, you're responsible, in fact, to discern, to study, and understand every word and every interaction. If you're a genuine spirit-filled Christian, then God has equipped you with discernment by his Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says in 1 John 2:27. As for you, and John is talking to genuine Christians who have the Spirit of God, as for you, the anointing you receive from him, that is from God, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real and not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This is the same John that was inspired by the Holy Spirit to remember what Jesus said when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. For without me, excuse me, outside of me, you can do nothing. We've got to remain in him. Well, natural people cannot properly question you or determine your motives when you're in the Holy Spirit because they don't have the necessary tools or credentials. I don't care if they got a PhD. I don't care if they got a degree from Harvard or Oxford. It doesn't matter. That just means your natural brain is more informed with worldly data. But wisdom is different than knowledge. You can have knowledge, but wisdom is knowing how to apply that knowledge and where to apply that knowledge and when to apply that knowledge, right? Um, so they may seek to judge you. Now, this is where that word judge might be uh, actually used the other way. And that's the sense that Jesus prohibited with a view to finding fault, because that is one of the meanings of that word. So we see this happening all the time in our society and in our culture, right? People seeking to find fault. Um, and this is whether they're from believers or unbelievers, from the left or from the right. You make a statement, you post your opinion, you even quote scripture, and people are seeking a way to blame you for being foolish or even bad or evil, right? And you might be quoting Jesus. So those who are walking in the spirit and speaking by the spirit have no one to fear or to be concerned about. No one living in the natural has the authority to judge you. Listen to that again. No unspiritual person has any authority whatsoever to judge you, to find fault with you. So why accept their judgment? Why worry about what they say? They're being mean to you and saying bad things about you. If they're unspiritual people, what difference does it make? They don't have the decision-making power. They don't have the authority. Even if they're in authority, even if you're standing before a judge, if you're holding to biblical opinions, then it's what you know Peter said to the ruling authorities of his day. Uh, he said, whether it is, is right to obey you or to obey God, you have to judge. But as for us, we're gonna keep preaching. We gotta obey the Lord. We've gotta do what's right according to the scripture, right? Um, now, spirit-filled believers, however, need to listen to the wise counsel of other genuinely spiritual people. This doesn't mean we go around and say, nope, I'm not listening to anybody. I've already heard from God. There's accountability in the community of faith, right? 
among people that are in the word and people that are spiritual in nature, we need to hold each other accountable. We need to say, well, wait a minute. And this is missing, by the way. I know that there are people in my Facebook, and one of the main reasons I stay on this Facebook that just, it's exhausting, frankly, but the main reason that I stay on it is because there's just so many people that I know that are there, and nobody wants to go to any other, you know, social media. It's just the same, same. And these are people that I've known from way back. These are former youth of mine, people that have been in ministry with me before. And I'm appalled at how many of them have just left the building when it concerns Christian faith and ideas. And so it used to be when somebody would post something that I'd say, oh, hang on. But you know what? I don't do it anymore because people don't receive reproof. Wow. Rebuke a mocker and he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. That's how to tell the difference. And so the other day, uh, there was somebody, and this person, along with uh, his spouse, attended church a few weeks back. And so rather than even quote the scripture, they made a few statements. So I just gave the biblical reference because I thought, you know what? The people that want to see what I'm saying will look it up. And he did, apparently. And he said, thank you. Yeah, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. We all have our moments. There's none of us that are going to be perfect. And we need each other, right? Now, ideally, when it's something that's, you know, really kind of way out in left field, if I feel as though I can make a difference, then I may privately message that person. And that's worked in the past. But other times I've done that and they still go on in the same vein online. Even to the point here recently, uh, I privately messaged someone, they messaged back, and then it was like they took several uh, snipes at me anyway. I, I don't get it. You don't get it? Rebuke a mocker and he'll hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. And then this, he who despises discipline despises himself. But he who heeds correction gains understanding. He who heeds correction is wise. We all need correction sometimes. As the teacher in a novel I once read observes, in fact, I don't even remember this book right now. I was apparently reading it the first time we went through 1 Corinthians. But I left the quote in here. Um, a world with only one person's ideas would just be a one-person world, and a one-person world is not a place others choose to frequent. Huh. That sounds pretty wise. We need to talk to one another, right? And you even need to have discussions with people from the opposite side, people with opposing opinions. As long as they're respectful, I will have these discussions. What I won't tolerate is disrespect. I just... I've been around too long. I, 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 I don't have to do that anymore. I'm just not. We're not on the playground. And we're not in high school anymore. I'm really not interested in people being disrespectful to me. You're disrespectful to me, we're done. You wanna be respectful and come back? That's fine, but that rarely happens because people don't apologize anymore, do they? Because our egos are overinflated. Do you know what happens when you blow up a balloon? Mateo, if I take a balloon and I blow it up and I keep blowing it up and I keep blowing it up, what happens eventually? It pops because it makes that skin thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. In fact, if you don't blow it up until it pops, if you blow it up really, really big and then you tie it, it pops much easier. That's us with our big overinflated egos. Don't you tell me anything. I know everything. And what I've discovered is the more I learn, the less I really know. Yeah. Humility enters in when you have a genuine education. A little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. This is the danger when people first get into karate. They learn a little bit 
and they think they can just handle themselves in any situation, and then they get their clock cleaned. It's a, it's a quote that I, I give to the karate class all the time, even, even the kids in the karate class. The only Mike Tyson quote that I know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> oh, no, I know what I would do, and I would do this, and then, <laughs> oh! right? So, yeah. An unwillingness to receive correction betrays either pride and or insecurity in one's position. Such unwillingness is widespread today. Few people admit to needing correction. Few will apologize for being wrong. And these are the best people I know. These are people that are related to me. These are, nobody can say I'm sorry anymore. Why? I can. No, I really can. I have a big ego. I say stuff that I shouldn't have said. Or I say something that's true, but I said it at the right time and in a hurtful way. I can apologize. I really can because I've often been wrong. I've misapplied something. And that's the only way that I'm gonna grow. If I'm so fragile that I can't apologize, I don't deserve to be preaching to you guys, right? So hopefully that's all of us. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So the answer to the first question, who has understood the mind of the Lord so to instruct him, is nobody. <laughs> Nobody's telling God what to do. Although you have all sorts of people that are judging the word of God today, right? They're, they're standing in judgment over God's word as though, I, where are they getting their knowledge? That's my question. This is the revelation of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, who spoke the universe into existence out of nothing, and you're standing over him and making judgments. On what basis? some critical theory that you studied in college recently or a book that you read that has no basis in science, although it may be called a science text or book. Um, but we who have the Holy Spirit can understand the mind of the Lord because the Spirit makes us privy to the mind of Christ. The scripture promises intimacy with God to those who revere him. This is really powerful. Psalm 25, 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. God doesn't confide in just anybody. He confides in those who revere him, who honor him. That's what we need to do. He wants to reveal himself, but that's not gonna happen to somebody who just barges in and tries to do it themselves. Jesus told the disciples that he considered them friends and revealed to them all that the Father had shown him. Listen to this from John 15, 14 through 16. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because servant, a servant, excuse me, does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends because everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus sought to translate what the Father was saying to him, to those who were listening. Everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the 11, Judas has left the building, that he called to be closest to him, right? Even though they all scattered when he got arrested. Peter tried to fight, told Peter not to fight. Peter's like, if I can't fight, what do I do? Ended up not betraying him, ended up denying him, but they all denied him as we saw when we talked about the witnesses to one degree or another. They were all scared, but God didn't give up on them. He'd revealed all this to them. Jesus appeared to them on that first Sunday evening, continued to appear to them over a period of 40 days. And by the way, tomorrow is Ascension Day. So I know we don't watch the church calendar anymore, but I do. So tomorrow is 40 days after Easter. And Jesus ascended back to the Father. You could say he transcended our time-space dimension back into God's space, God time, right? Timelessness, right? The kingdom of heaven, and that's tomorrow. That's Ascension Day. So that kind of gives you an idea. It's been a while since Easter, hasn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's how long of a period Jesus appeared to them over that period. And not just to those 12, 
because if you look in Luke, there were actually uh, 70 or 72 different people, men, that he sent out as his agents, as his ambassadors, that is, as his apostles. The 12, and then now 11, were the inner circle, but there were actually that many. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll get to in about, oh, next year or sometime, um, <laughs> we have uh, the, uh, the oldest confession of faith in existence. The Apostle Paul says, what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then he appeared to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at once. And he says, some of them have fallen asleep. Some are still with us. Then he appeared to James. And then he appeared to all of the apostles. He's doing a lot of appearing to these people that he called to be his witnesses, right? So here, this, this inner circle, he says, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. We are initially called to be servants of his. And that's fine with me. But as we draw close, as we pay attention, as we obey, he reveals more of the Father's will. He reveres, reveals more of his heart to us as we're able to receive it. Verse uh, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So he doesn't do this just so that we can have a warm feeling. Jesus and me, we have a lovely relationship. I pray and I have warm feelings. He says, no, I chose you so you would go out and bear fruit. That fruit is, you're gonna be used as an agent, an ambassador, to transform the lives of other people who are in desperate need. And friends, uh, the church needs revival today. It needs to wake up today. Yeah. The church or our church? The church, our church too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree, both and. Thank you for asking. And the world needs awakening. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk today about being woke. We don't need to be woke, you need to be awakened. The Spirit of God needs to transform us. See, there just needs to be this, this sense of urgency that comes from each person's relationship with Christ, not some artificial enthusiasm that's generated by somebody that is outside of you. I mean, you know, we can rah-rah a crowd. You can get the band up here, and man, they play some awesome music, and we can get people jumping around, at least maybe, I don't know, our crowd these days, you know. Maybe I pass out $100 bills or something. I don't know. You know, what do you do? Get people, I know how to move a crowd. I can do that. But I don't like artificial stuff, yeah. right? Get people to stand, get people to raise their hand, get people to da, da, da. But it just doesn't change people permanently. They've got to receive that word where they're at. And it's got to be their own thing, your own thing. And there's got to be a sense of urgency that comes from you interacting with the Holy Spirit. There's got, see, the Holy Spirit's the one that convicts. If I make you feel bad about something, then that's dangerously close to judgment and loading you up with guilt. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, you better pay attention. That's, that's something you don't want to ignore. But when you do pay attention, there is a transformation that takes place that is absolutely personal between you and him. And then there's nothing. So, you know, we, we have, uh, it's not really large scale, but large enough scale uh, apostasy happening today, which by the way, is what the apostle Paul said would happen at the end before the return of Christ. Apostasy meaning turning away from Christ. And there are some fairly significant leaders church leaders that are turning their backs on Christ and not just turning their backs and walking away. Okay. So I, I just can't figure this out. First of all, if you really know Jesus, it's like any relationship. 
you can be upset with God at times because things aren't going the way you expected them to go, right? Believe it or not, you can even disagree with God. I mean, you're wrong and it won't change his mind, but you can disagree with God and you can tell him so. But that's not the same as turning your back on him. But if I were one of those people, I wouldn't bother with Christians. What is the deal? What do you need to prove? That shows me that your opinion is fragile. You're very insecure because you need to consistently prove that these Christians are dumb and they're wrong. And so, but see, the other thing is you've got a lot of these folks that are addicted to celebrity and they were formerly celebrity Christians. And then they saw, you know, it really doesn't matter. God doesn't matter in this equation as long as I get to be a celebrity. So they start being celebrity atheists. So as hard as they were pushing at evangelism before, now they're pushing against Christ and against the Bible. And I mentioned this fella, uh, maybe last Sunday, I can't remember when I said, or maybe last, last Wednesday, um, Abraham Piper, this is John Piper's son. And there's an old video, I say old, it's like 10 or so years old, of, of him introducing his father. If you don't know who John Piper is, look him up. He's just, you know, like a, a saint of reformed Christians. He's written all these books and very well revered. You know, he's kind of like on the level of John MacArthur, same type of a deal. But Abraham is, is one of his sons. This kid, I say kid, he, I mean, look at his face and he's obviously, you know, he's an adult young man at this point. I don't know, looking at his face, 30s, 40s. Um, but he is just ripping the Bible now. Like he's just making it known that he thinks it's a joke and it's stupid and, and making fun of it and whatever. Oh, so yeah, it's like whatever you can do to get attention. I, do, I used to do youth ministry. I know how this works. I used to tell, you know, parents and teachers and everyone, if they, they, anyone that would listen to me, I said, listen, teenagers just need attention. Kids just need attention. Now you can give them attention for good behavior or you can ignore them. If you ignore them, then they may misbehave and then you get upset. And you don't know why they're misbehaving. They want attention. And if you're not giving them attention for good behavior, they'll settle for attention for bad behavior. You following me? People are just looking to be noticed. They just want to be known. That's what social media is about. It's about being known. We have come to the conclusion in our consumer-driven culture that the most valuable thing outside of money and power is fame. And since most of us are never going to be famous as movie stars or rock stars or rap stars or athletes or celebrity politicians, then we can be little minor celebrities on our Facebook, right? Can you get more of these? Yeah, okay. You know, or, or Instagram or whatever. It's, whose approval do I need? Do I need everybody's this? In the end, that doesn't make you a better person. You can tickle people's fancy and they'll give you this, but that doesn't mean that you're being fruitful or productive in any way, right? I mean, I, I've said this before, you know, and you can just say I'm old or whatever, but uh, I'm amazed at the videos on YouTube that are the most watched because some of them are just overwhelmingly stupid. Teenagers or early 20s, I can't tell, males putting on makeup. Yes, and yes, and, and, and we're just, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. Why are so many of you interested in this? What difference does this make at all? The answer is none. It makes no difference whatsoever. You know, and so you have these people that sometimes do these outrageous things and we just think that, oh man, they're just, they're of the devil. No, sometimes they just want attention and they weren't getting enough attention going one direction, doing well. So rather than seeking God's approval, they didn't really believe in him to begin with. So they just want attention by doing this. And that might be something as innocuous as boys 
a young man putting on makeup, which I hope that's not what you want to do, but okay, it's pretty innocuous, right? Or that might be, you know, somebody that goes to a greater extreme and does something that is more detrimental to their own health. And I won't mention some of those things here because Mateo is present, right? So what you and I need to do is seek God's approval. We need to listen. We need to obey. We need to receive the intimacy of the God of the universe as a reward. That's the reward we need. Not more of these, but intimacy from the God of the universe. It's imperative that those who have received Christ walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. That means not in the natural. When I turn my attention to self, my mind is set on the flesh and that leads to death. When I turn my attention to the spirit, my mindset is spiritual and that produces fruitful, fulfilling life. Here's a couple of scriptures for you. This is Romans 8, 5 through 9. And I'm going to quote from the uh, Christian Standard Bible, which is another translation I can recommend. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So being spiritual is not optional. If you're really a Christian, authentically, genuinely, factually, actually a Christian, it's not a name you apply to yourself. It's not a head belief. It is being indwelt by the Spirit. And the more the Spirit controls you, the more you are filled with the Spirit, right? So there's some people, it's like a little water in the bottom of the glass. You got the Spirit. It's just a little sippy cup. That's it. Some people, no, that glass is full. But you know what God wants? He wants it to overflow. He wants it to overflow onto everybody else. Why are we called life well? Because Jesus told the woman at the well, if you asked me, I'd have given you a drink. And the water that I give you would become in you a spring of water welling up to everlasting life. It pushes up the well and turns into a spring. So the well that Jesus was at with the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria, was Jacob's well. And she said, it's deep. You don't have a bucket. You can't get any water out of here. You ever seen a well? Hello! The water's down there. You got to go down and get it. That's some people. Oh, you got the spirit. But boy, we got to get down there to get it. Got to kind of get settled. Got to get into a Bible study. Got to kind of pray more. You know, all oh, the spirit's down there. We just got to lower the bucket to get it. There it is. There it is. The spirit's in you. I knew the spirit was in you. Some people, though, it's just a cistern. You know what a cistern is? It's basically a hole in the ground that they plastered over and it caught rain. Yeah. So in Israel, they didn't irrigate. It was the, All of their crops needed rain. And for them to get water, they needed rain. So there were wells. In fact, Isaac dug a lot of wells in Israel, mm -hmm. but they also had cisterns. Mm -hmm. Basically just an open mouth, hole in the ground that was plastered over and it would catch rain and then they'd put a cover on it so it didn't evaporate. That's not being filled with the Spirit. That's going to a church meeting and you sense the Spirit coming over you. Oh, yeah. But see, there's, no, there's nothing in you that's producing the spiritual. It's something that has been put on you. It's temporary. It's going to empty out. That's what happens to people all the time, right? They're, they're youth and they, they have a good youth program, all right? Um, I was privileged to lead a good youth program, actually a couple of them. One at First Baptist Church, the Colony, one at Freeman Heights Baptist Church. And we had great teenagers. When I brought my teenagers to any youth camp, they were the leaders. 
they were always the leaders. We might not be the biggest group there, but my kids were the leaders. Everybody paid attention to them because they paid attention. But you know, some of them have walked away. Some of them have drifted away. So, you know, we dug down, but that transformation didn't occur in all of them, right? But the ones that it did, right? They're springing up to everlasting life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I memorized that a long time ago, and then I rememorized it in another translation. But that that I just read, I translated from Greek. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. God wants to give you overflowing life, right? So we need Christ's insight right now more than ever. The world is filled with people who are enthralled by lies and their thinking is disordered and only God who spoke order into chaos is going to be able to order their thinking. This is a serious problem right now. I talked about you know a lot of young people experiencing anxiety right now, but there's a lot of disordered thinking. And it's because they're paying attention to all of these diverse, disordered ideas. And we need to continue to preach the word of God because it's gonna speak order into this chaos. So my encouragement to you, receive the spirit, and then speak the truth in love. Speak boldly and speak with the anointing of that indwelling Holy Spirit who's capable of convincing people and proving the truth. That's what conviction means. The conviction of the Spirit means that He's going to prove the truth. All right? So that's all I got. Appreciate you guys joining us today.